Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have Meg McKee-Brown joining us. She's vice president of human resources at Cambridge Air Solutions. Born and raised in St. Louis, Meg has a heart for unlocking and unleashing the potential of those around her. She holds a degree in environmental engineering from Northwestern University, and she comes with diverse employment experiences in manufacturing, environmental, construction, IT, and consulting industries. But don't let that engineering degree fool you, which I want to dig into, Meg. I want to know more about that. But Meg has spent more than 15 years cultivating her expertise in building up people and organizations. It was through her HR experience that Meg crossed paths with Cambridge, where she is today, and she fell in love with the company's culture. And shortly after helping them on a couple of key initiatives, she formally joined the leadership team there to continue strengthening and scaling their people systems. As vice president of human resources, Meg is responsible for all aspects of Cambridge's employee experience. This includes talent lifecycle processes, executive leadership and employee development, organization development, and change enablement. When she isn't busy cultivating relationships at work, you can find Meg and her husband, David, living a jam-packed family life with their four wonderful sons. Meg, that's a lot. Got me tongue twisted, but I'm ready to dig in and ready to get into it if you are. Let's do it. I'm excited. No, it's great to have you. And um, I guess first things first, just tell us more about Cambridge for anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with Cambridge, isn't based here in St. Louis, or just isn't in that space. Tell us more about what you all are up to. So we are in the business of creating healthy work environments for hardworking people. We happen to do that by manufacturing heating, ventilation, and cooling equipment. And that really goes into commercial or industrial application. And so we're a second-generation, family-owned, purpose-driven business based in St. Louis, Missouri. And we service mostly North America, some international. So we're a thriving small to medium-sized manufacturer in the Midwest. I love that you're like straight to the benefit on what you guys do in terms of, you know, we often talk about marketing. It's like people aren't buying a hammer and nail. They're buying the way to hang up a memory on their wall. That's similar, like you're in the HVAC space, but it's much bigger than that. You can think about what would life be like if we didn't have HVAC, right? Miserable. <laughs> be terrible. None of us in our homes, in our workplaces, it actually helps us feel healthy in our work environments and in our homes. But particularly because our equipment goes into manufacturing operations. So it goes in other companies like ours. So it goes in plants or it goes in high bay buildings that are football field size, if not bigger. A lot of times those environments are not comfortable and not healthy, not and cold in the winter and warm in the summer to the point where they have to take like safety breaks for how hot it is. In full disclosure for our listeners, like Cambridge and Gorilla, we work together, but you guys have been on our map long before we ever worked together just because of the culture. And I remember a year or two back doing some reading about you all and how much productivity can change like per degree difference of if a building's too hot or too cold, like 
each degree you get closer to that perfect working temperature, productivity actually goes up, which I was fascinated by. And you just don't think about, like, especially when you're sitting behind a computer all the time. And not only that, but I know we're here in some ways to talk about culture, but that isn't that culture. hundred percent. The ability to feel healthy, like to feel like I'm in a work environment that feels comfortable for my body <laughs> and enables me to be feel like I can connect and I can contribute and I can show up as my whole person and all of that stuff. If I'm distracted by being cold or hot or any of the other things, then that's like table stakes almost, right? So environmental engineering <laughs> to HR. I love the person at Gorilla that is running HR now. She did not start out in HR either. Connect those dots for me. How did you get to kind of where you are now? It's fun to talk about because I don't get to talk about it very often. So I love that you asked. <laughs> yeah, of course. When I graduated, it was the middle of the crazy dot com, 1999, dare I say my age. And I jumped right into the IT industry out of school. So even then I wasn't in environmental, but then I did try my hand in the environmental field, coming back home and working for my family's business at the time. And I was running industrial wastewater treatment plants. It was a very exciting job. And I was far too young to be doing it, actually. But I did. I did do it. I, they took a chance on me, which was amazing. And while I was in it, I realized, just internally realized, some discernment of what's getting my feet on the floor every morning is actually not the operations side of this role. What is getting my feet on the floor every morning is the people. And you're early in your career and you're kind of trying to figure it all out anyway. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if I could spend all my time focusing on the people side? And so I, at the time we were looking for a recruiter in that business and I pitched like, hey, could I give this a shot? And they took a chance on me again and let me do that. And so I haven't looked back since. So I've been in HR ever since. Ironically, one of the things that helped me the most in those early days I was self-taught on recruitment. I was just trusting my instincts. I was going to trainings. I was like learning HR from the bottom up. And then the business sold. My family sold the business to a really large company out of New Jersey called at the time BOC Group. And they brought very formal HR to town. And while that was a little bit hard because here we were this small family owned business and getting formal HR felt a little um, awkward to us, a little less flexible a little more machine-like. It helped me a ton because I got to learn the real, quote-unquote, real HR from them. And I springboarded that. So that basically is my my flip was, I care more about these people than I do these operations. But now, at 20 years later, I'm like, oh, interesting. Those worlds are starting to come back together. My role is largely people operations. Like There's a huge function inside what I do that's operations-based. And so... It's been fun to watch it. It wasn't a full leave that behind. It was a, I'm going to focus here and learn. And now those worlds feel more integrated than ever. I can totally relate to that. Our company is obviously on a much smaller scale, but like, and I want to be very clear, especially being the co-founder of a marketing agency, like I love marketing. It does excite me, but the people side of it excites me more at this point. That's the fun part. And I mean, honestly, our clients are in much better place because of it, because the people are so much better at doing their job than I ever was. So like the fact that I'm less involved with marketing and more involved with the people is a blessing for everyone involved. But I totally can relate. I think it's so fun to watch, at least from my purview, like watch people develop, watch them grow in their careers and know that obviously they are still the ones responsible for that growth and they deserve the credit. But knowing that you have a small part in that, I think is a really fun and rewarding thing. There's nothing cooler than watching potential be realized and to be part of whatever Petri dish created that realization is amazing. It makes goosebumps thinking about it. One of the parts of the job. Talking more about that Cambridge culture, in your bio, I read that you fell in love 
with the culture at Cambridge. I too have seen this culture and it's in all honesty, it's influenced our approach a ton of kind of how we try to go about things, but unpack a bit what you fell in love with and what you saw that was like, you know what, this is something I want to be a part of. So I came to Cambridge in a non-traditional way. They were actually my clients. So kind of like, like you all, right? Or And so I was helping recruit people to Cambridge. And so I was working for a small management consulting company at the time. That's where I first met you. We worked together back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) So weird. This is all very St. Louis. For the people not in St. Louis, this is how St. Louis works. So St. Louis, especially small, privately held business St. Louis. Like that environment is pretty integrated. Anyway, I was recruiting for Cambridge. And part of the job when you're recruiting as an external person is you got to kind of like climb inside that culture and get to know them so that you can represent them to the candidate as if you are them, right? Like you really are an extension of them. And so they said to my teammate and I at the time, you need to come out and see our morning meeting before you can work with us. And so we came out and we attended this thing, this morning meeting. I did not know what it was. I had never seen anything like it. And I'm out there on the shop floor. They're stretching. They're talking about gratitude. They're showing videos of cool improvements people had made. And this is every day? Yes. They have this meeting? Okay. Every day they have this meeting. And I'm like, this place is different. Like something's really, you could feel it in the room. And, but then also I'm like, everyone I talked to was really unique. They were super centered in a way, but then also very courageous, not afraid to be themselves, not afraid to try new things. And so that was really got my attention. And then I was literally recruiting for the HR leadership role for Cambridge and was asked at the time by Mark Braun, who was president of the company at the time. He said to me, when are you going to tell me that you want this job? (laughs) And so I was like, uh... Well, (laughs) and at the time I was part-time because those four boys kept me busy. We had an itty bitty one at home and he didn't know that. And so I was like, well, your job is full-time and I'm part-time. And he said, oh, I don't think that's a problem. Let me go talk to the team. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And my husband said, of course you're interested. You never stop talking about them. You talk about them all the time, (laughs) which was, that was a pretty cool, like him helping me see like, no, you really like this place. Like you need to listen to whatever this opportunity is. So long story short, they let me start part-time. I had to interview, which was interesting. I had to also go to my current employer because that was a conflict, right? That didn't feel right. But we literally went to them and said openly, totally transparently, here's the deal. I would like to consider this opportunity. How do you feel about it? And we had a hard but loving conversation about it. And they gave their blessing. And so I got to go interview and started part-time. And about six months later, came in and said, I think I need to be full-time to get done what I want to get done. And so then I've been full-time ever since. So I fell in love. That morning meeting is really what caught me. And I thought, this place, there's something interesting happening here. I've been to those morning meetings and it's like, it is one of the more amazing things. And like, I could not be more of a skeptic of things like that. Like, that's not my style. It's just not my, and then you go and you witness it and you're like, this is awesome. Random people are coming up to me, shaking my hand, asking me about like, yeah, there's stretching going on. There's some kind of entertaining video. Like it's very lighthearted. It's also like very short. It's not like it takes a ton of time. It was just a really cool practice to get to be a part of. I also love like how we've had employees come to us before and say, Hey, I've got this opportunity now and I'm really excited about it. And it's like, as an employer, I can't imagine ever telling someone, no, you can't go do that. You can't. Somebody's growth is their growth. And it's like, if you tell them, no, they're still going to probably try to figure out a way to do it anyway. So you might as well keep the bridges intact, right? 
That's right. And at the same time, it's an emotional experience because you care about them and you love working with them and you're wanting them to stay. And so I think that's what that taught me is we can acknowledge that this is sad and this is hard, and but it's also exciting and that both those things can be true at the same time. And to do it with their sort of blessing or their willingness, the openness of that. I don't think I'll do it any other way ever again. It was so freeing. Then that terrible, I'm going to submit my two weeks. I'm going to be secretive about interviewing. I'm not going to tell anyone. That just doesn't feel to me like it matches my values. Now I know, oh, you can do it that way. Now I will say we do talk about that at Cambridge and we do encourage our employees. We call it leave well, stay well. Meaning like if you're going to stay well, then be transparent about the fact that you might go, right? There's nothing to be bashful about. We care about you. Just tell us. Let's work through it together. And wouldn't that be healthier and better for everyone if it weren't secretive? Now, it's hard though, right? Like it takes a lot of courage to come forward and trust us. We're asking for a lot of trust. And so that has to be earned. And so sometimes people just aren't ready and that's okay. I think it's just that shift that's happening now too, where it's like, it used to be employment was an entire book of someone's life. Now it's just a chapter, right? Like you can go and all industries are different, but if we have somebody for two, three, four years at Gorilla and they leave, like, hey, no hard feelings of somebody leaves after six months, but that's great. Go do something else. Come back one day, bring what you learn back. Like, I don't know. I think it's just much more fluid now. And I think it seems to be better for everyone. So that's also why I love following you all on LinkedIn, because you're so public and open. Like you are so transparent about those kinds of things. We try to be. Yeah, it's important because I think that is like one life, right? That's just being who you are and being open and being wholehearted. And if we can create environments, work environments at Gorilla, at Cambridge, and hopefully all over the world that are creating that opportunity, then I actually think it makes a a huge impact on the literal world. Perfect segue into what I want to ask next. I love that a company that does what you do, like your tagline could be a million things. And when I open your website and I look, it's enriching lives is the first thing that really jumps out at me, which is both like a literal and kind of, I think there's a literal interpretation of that, what we talked about early with like having a comfortable work environment. But then there's the more figurative or, I mean, I guess it's still literal because it's enriching someone's life, but more of that, not necessarily the temperature, right? Like just making people, can you speak to that about how it's kind of a platform for you all? It it both like, just across the business, it seems to be a platform. First of all, like where it comes from. So we're a purpose-driven business. Like I said, the we followed the Patrick Lencioni Advantage book and answered the six questions. And the first one is, why do you exist? This was work Cambridge did before I even joined, actually. So eight years ago, maybe more. And why we exist is that we exist to glorify God by enriching the quality of every life we touch. So we're a family-owned business. The family that owns Cambridge is the Kramer family. And for them, this business really does deliver glorifying God by enriching the quality of every life we touch. And when you have a purpose as big as that, it's a little bit like, wait a minute, okay, so then what are we doing and how are we actually making an impact in that way? How are we enriching lives? And so that's where we started to realize, oh, wait, our equipment, like we talked about earlier, our equipment actually does do some really cool stuff for humans. It actually it actually enriches lives. And then we started to think, well, enriching lives is something we do for each other at the morning meeting when we fist bump or shake hands or stretch together. It's something like when we interact with vendors, we want every interaction that they have with us to be better than what they expected or certainly leave them better than we found them. So we're really trying to do that. And so enriching lives has become this thing that we were always talking about. And so we thought, well, geez, isn't that kind of who we are? And so it became the tagline. And honestly, 
the biggest way I can explain it is that when you come into contact with us, whatever us it is, whether it's a vendor or an employee, or whether it's in the way of a customer, whether it's a rep that sells our products, what contractor that installs our products on a roof somewhere, we want to have enriched your life in some kind of way. And we are in, I would say, like almost infancy of really understanding the impact of it because I think it'll start to change. The more we get comfortable with it, I think it'll start to improve, not change, but should will, will be changed. But improve, how do we package our units? Are they packaged in a way that it's enriching to the person opening them so that they can get what they need and when they need it and the order they need it? Are we, for the tech that's on the roof, repairing something? How are we showing up for them so that it's a positive experience and has no friction in it? Like, what does that look like? Which the world might call customer experience or employee experience if it's the internal side. And for us, we we would call that like enriching lives. How do we continue to enrich the life in every interaction? And we have a long way to go in understanding it, but we're definitely on the journey for sure. And doing for a while, it's just, it wasn't structured or claimed. I love that because I think it's like, you're so intentional about it. And it's like, my employees joke with me all the time because all I do is make sports analogies. It's like I'm a 41-year-old male and it's pretty predictable what I enjoy in my free time. But winning streak can catch on. A losing streak can catch on. Like either one of those. So like if you're being intentional about positive interactions, like that's a winning streak to me with everyone. And that goes on to snowball the rest of their day. I think it goes on to snowball within your business. I think like that intentionality is so smart and so interesting and so frankly inspiring to companies like us where we're smaller and it's like those intentional things that we can try to think through and try to do and congratulate someone on a nice win in Slack or whatever, because we're all remote at this point. Those things go a long way, but you have to intentionally do them, I think. I wanted to dig in to... I love I love that it's a family business and that it's like, we are here to glorify God. I could see where that could be problematic now, or at least I don't want to say problematic, but something that you read the headline and people are like, well, wait a second, this is a workplace. This is, you guys are never intrusive about it though. I wouldn't call it overt. You kind of have to dig to understand that. And it's not like you try to shove it down anyone's throats or anything. I don't know. Can you speak to that? Like, I've always been curious about that because as an HR newbie, it's like, oh my God, I have to be so careful with everything. How do you all navigate that? It's a great question. We get asked it a lot. And honestly, it was one of my questions before I joined because of that, right? My HR brain is like, well, wait a minute. How do you have that on the walls and still be welcoming and inclusive the way we need to be? And anyway, so it is a great question. And so for us, the way it works is like this. One, we are an inclusive company. You do not have to believe in God to work here. Not even close. We don't care. It doesn't matter to us. The reason it's on the wall is because John Kramer and his family who own this business for them is what this business is for. The reason they choose to reinvest, to keep the lights on, as I sometimes say, to create these jobs for us is because of that purpose. And for our employees, it's an invitation to find whatever works for you in that purpose. If you do believe in God, maybe that actually does really resonate and it helps you get at your feet on the floor on the morning. If not, then maybe it's enriching lives. And it's just the fact that, hey, this company is trying to do things differently. And they're really trying to care about humans and to create not only in an employee relationship, but then also in the products. I used to say that you don't have to believe in God to work here. You just have to know you're not God. <laughs> like, I think that's great. 
I think so. There is sometimes we get misunderstood as being a quote unquote Christian company, and we wouldn't call ourselves that, which I know is because we are founded on Christian ideas, but we're not exclusive in any way. We want to be welcoming. We want anyone to feel like they can be a part of our journey. And one of the ways I've had the most fun in my time, there's a lot of fun points, but most recent fun in my role is operationalizing our core values. And partly because of this you're asking. When we have a purpose like that, we had core values, but they weren't behavioral. So they were just words. They were unconditional love with high expectations, care, courage, integrity, and respect. But we didn't describe them. We didn't, we weren't clear about them. And if you ask five different people what they meant, you'd get five different answers. And so we worked really hard. We almost crowdsourced in a leadership training we were doing that we had roughly 60 to 70 people in over the course of two years. We crowdsource behavioral statements for what does unconditional love with high expectations mean? When we say courage at Cambridge, what does it actually look like? When we talk about respect, what does that look like? It took a long time. It was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but we got it down to some really, really good phrasing of behaviors for those core values. And for me, that unconditional love with high expectations one is the one that grounds us in the idea that we cannot be judgmental, right? We have to see each other for who we really are and care about each other, not for what we do, but for the human that's in front of you. And so therefore, that why cannot be misunderstood. Those are two, they balance each other out, right? If you're at all put off by the why we exist, if you read our values, you see, we want to see you and know you just because, because we believe you're a human and we care about you. And that isn't earned, it is simply given. So dignity is just present. Again, as someone third-party observer, I respect so much the fact that things that are still important to the business owners are still kept in there, provided that that it sounds like you have gotten buy-in from people are buying into it. And at the end of the day, when you really look at those, that ultimate purpose and then like how you all are supporting it, I don't think anyone can argue that any of this stuff is nefarious or, I mean, these are all very positive things, right? Like supporting each other. Like that's, I mean, whether that's a Judeo-Christian principle or something totally, it's like just golden rule stuff. I mean, that's really a lot of what's going on there. So I respect it a lot. It is challenging. It's not easy because I think we can be misunderstood if you don't come closer to us. <laughs> but that's just something we know and we work hard to be as clear as we can about. I love it. Good for you all for continuing to do it. Total shift here and almost like a hot seat question here, but favorite benefit you offer and why? Is there any benefit that you guys have that's just like really gets you excited or... Yes. And it's super timely because it's right around the corner. My all-time favorite, we implemented it two years ago, is that we completely shut down between Christmas and New Year's and it is paid time off for our people. Nice. In your space, that is like super rare. And it took us a while to build there. In fact, you all kind of inspired me because you have been so open about like doing the baby steps towards like, want to get to the big idea but we can't get there all in one fell swoop. And we were doing that over the course of a couple of years. We had to make some changes. We had to like shift our fiscal year to make it work based on our seasonality, which is probably far too technical for anyone listening. But we got to the point two years ago where we could do it. And it's so amazing because what I've learned, first of all, when you work manufacturing, would be Christmas day and you'd be getting up if the next day is a weekday, you'd be getting up. Our shift, shift starts at 5 a.m. You'd be getting up at whatever time, depending on where they live, some three o'clock in the morning, the morning after Christmas. That's, that's no good. It doesn't feel right. 
And so we finally got to where we could bite off the whole piece. And what's also really crazy about it is, I guess teachers probably get this experience, but outside of some of those types of jobs in the world, the whole place is closed, John. So like, no one is working. Like, you know, when you go on vacation and you might have that sense of like the companies keeps on going without me and I got to jump back in. Or I got to check my email. I got to like know what's going on right now, even though I'm out. When this first started the first year, that was my biggest realization. I didn't expect it. I was like, oh, no one is emailing. No one is working. It was, it sounds so obvious, but the feeling was so wild. And so that feeling is really incredible. It, and I'm excited for this one's this year's break. And I love that we can do that for our people and their families. Here's another sports analogy, but I am a very amateur marathon runner. I've run 10 now, but they're not fast, like not remotely fast. But where I'm going with this is I have found that if I walk through my water breaks, I actually end up with a faster time than if I try to run the entire thing without walking at all. So every two miles or sometimes the early on in the race, I don't take water till the fourth mile. I skip a couple steps. But my point is, is like, I think it's similar to like shutting down. You get a chance to like get some rest, get a little, and then you come back. Like I come back from the holidays because we shut down for a week around the holidays and we actually do it in the summer as well, just around the 4th of July, because what we found with our clients, a lot of times, especially the CMOs, the marketing directors, whatever, a lot of times they're taking vacation time around then. So like we weren't really getting any work done anyway. And I feel like we come back so refreshed that it actually is almost like an accelerator. So I have no scientific data there, but it feels kind of like that marathon running where it's like, let me just walk through this break. Let me take some water in and then I'm going to come out of this ready to run again. So who knows? I think so. It certainly feels that way for me. That's been my personal experience. And it's our, this quarter and next quarter are, is our busiest time of year. So for us, it is a bit like your water break. Like it's a pause in the middle from a production perspective. And so it's a chance to rest for a second. And it makes me think of that thing they say about burnout, that like burnout can't be solved by like a day off, right? That it needs to be something bigger, something more impactful to really in burnout. And I don't know that we have a ton of people in that space, but I love knowing that at least one a year, we are going to do the big thing and we're going to shut it down, shut it all down. And with everyone shutting down, I think it probably helps with like that sense of you take a vacation when everyone else is still working, at least with desk work. And I'm assuming it can kind of be an all, but then you come back and you're like, oh my God, I have more work. Like things pile up on you with everything shut down. It kind of keeps things at bay a little bit. So 2024, any trends or focuses on the HR front you're really focusing on or any like thing that kind of is on your radar that you can share? Absolutely. So this is perfectly timed because I've done Annie Krieger, our director of marketing. We have just launched our two teams have been working together for a long time to launch our new brand, which is One You. We launched it internally to two of our three teams yesterday, and we got one more today. And so that's really, we're going to be integrating that over the next 12 months. And so what's the point of it? Well, the One You is really, you might, through all the conversation you and I've had, maybe it's obvious, but here at Cambridge, we want people to bring their whole selves to work. Um, and we want to create an environment where that's safe enough to do. And then not only that, but we want to get to see them, to see their whole person. And we don't expect them to check their home life at the door, right? Annie told a great story yesterday where she said that we were getting ready for a big company meeting. It was her first one participating as a senior leader. 
and her daughter got sick the night before. And she had to text us to say, hey, guys, I'm not sure I'm going to make it in. And we were able, first of all, we all were like, she says, the team said, how's your daughter? Is she okay? What do you need? And then she got to just pre-record her piece and it worked like a charm and it was no problem. But for her, that meant like, we see you as a mother. We understand that matters. And we're not going to just say, well, too bad, get here anyway. That's one example of how one you comes home here. So I'm super excited. It's been so fun to it was cool yesterday. We had a bunch of people. We asked them to write down five things about themselves that people at work might not know and then share them with five people, like walk around and find five people during the meeting and share them. And we had people who've worked together for a long time. were like, I didn't know that about you, which was just so cool to feel like a way to get our folks to connect. I love that. I might steal that for Slack if that's okay today on our end. Yeah, of course it is. I think it's like marketing, right? Sometimes all you're doing is And I say all because it's not easy. It is complex. But there's something that exists in a place culturally. Oh, 100%. Trying to catch it, understand it, and put words to it. And then emotions to it so that people who aren't in it can feel it when they're not here. And that's what I feel like one you, what we've tried to do. And it's the closest we've ever come to really getting super clear about who we are so that someone from the outside can try to understand it. So I'm super excited about that. In terms of yeah, like trends in the people space that I can feel that are real here at Cambridge, one is mental health and the concerns around that. That was actually my number two or three spot on my favorite benefits. We do a lot for that side, but it just feels like it's becoming more and more prevalent where people are really struggling. And it was true in COVID. It certainly started to pop up more frequently at that time, but it seems to be just keeping on going. And so my team and I have our ears down. We try to make sure where people know what our benefits are that are available to them. We try to make it um, comfortable to talk about so it's not a stigma. But that's sort of one of the people things that I have on my radar too. I think that's so important. And it's like, it's probably a little of both. I don't know if the issues are getting more complex and mental health is getting worse or if we're just getting better about saying, hey, I'm struggling here, everybody. Like I need to go for a walk. I need to take a day off. I need to talk to somebody. I've been seeing a therapist since God, I don't know how long it runs in my family. I try to openly talk about it with our employees or not even, I just try to mention like, Hey guys, like I'm going to be off or out this afternoon. I have to go, I'm seeing my therapist. Like I, I don't go into detail, but I just want them to know that I'm the owner of the company and I'm doing this. If you guys need to do this, go for it. It's okay. I do think there is some truth to that where the world has is destigmatizing, right? It's not probably as fast as maybe some of us would like. And there are still pockets where it's this not okay thing to talk about. But I do think that some of the generational change I can see in our workforce is that willingness to ask for help, willingness to take it seriously as an issue, mental health, and to step forward still requires courage. But you're right. It could be the prevalence of it is more, it's just we're talking about it more in the world. And I would assume like I'm surrounded by a lot of creatives. I think creatives were naturally more open to talking about these things and it's more prevalent and it's okay. I think, and I'm totally making some assumptions here, but I would guess in a more blue collar space where you have people in running machines and it's probably harder for them. There might be more of a stigma in those spaces than maybe in our spaces. So, but that doesn't change the fact that people are struggling. Like people are people and things happen outside of work. The economy does what it does, whatever. COVID happens, like these are still people. So I think, yeah, just creating that environment is so huge. I think that's very true. But the human experience, there's really nothing we can do to get away from it, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, we're stuck in it. 
I think that's some of what we're trying to do culturally at Cambridge is to create in a very not like you're saying, it's real. Like manufacturing is not really a hotbed of let's talk about our emotions. It's not an industry that would be at the top of your list for being like, oh, they're so people centric and heart based, but we are doing it differently here. We're trying. You are totally. We're trying and it's not easy, but it's working and it's making amazing things happen. And so that's work worth doing. Totally agree. Anything that we didn't cover today that you were really dying to jump into, or did we kind of cover everything you think? I think we covered everything. I've had fun talking to you. It's awesome. Yeah, it was a blast and really appreciate you spending your time with us this morning. How can our listeners learn more or get in touch with you if you're willing to share that? Absolutely. So we do tours and stuff like that. You can come see that morning meeting you and I talked about. You can sign up for that on our website. So cambridgeair.com. I think it's slash about slash tours. So that's just free to public anytime you can come in here virtually or in person. So that's one way. And then find me on LinkedIn. Be happy to connect and learn more. And I would love to go and see. So much of what we do at Cambridge was inspired by other people, other companies, because we've learned the thing in the lean world. It's called gembaing, which is go and see. So we love to go and see and so there's nothing here that's honestly that we haven't picked up from somebody else. And so we love to connect to other companies and learn from them too, because we're in it together, just trying to do it better tomorrow than we did today. I can't emphasize enough to our listeners. You have to check this meeting out because it is super empowering. And now that I know there's online, I might have to get on there again soon because it's probably been a year since I've been in and seen it in person, but it was phenomenal. So Well, thanks again, Meg. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.